Good morning. Thanks for for having me. Am I loud? Am I okay? You're good? Okay. All right. Okay. Let's see if we can maneuver some stuff here really quick. Okay. I, uh, as Jenny and I were driving up here this morning, I, I figured out what my problem was. And, and she didn't tell me what my problem was, but the, but the radio actually told us what the problem was. I think it was the radio, but uh, I think the problem was is when I was a kid, I ate SpaghettiOs out of the can. My mom let us eat raviolis by Chef Boyardee, and I think that's our problem now. So, so I can blame it on my mom. <laughs> so, um, but good to be back. If you would, please open your Bibles to Psalms chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1, sorry. We will be finishing uh, chapter 1 up. So if you would, please stand as we read God's word, and then we'll pray and we'll dig in. This is what the psalmist writes. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time that we can come and look into your word. Lord, we thank you for the songs that we sing. We praise you that you are the ancient of days. There is none before you and there is none after you. And your throne will ever stand. Father, what more comfort could a Christian ask for than to know that your throne will ever stand? Kingdoms and nations will rise and they will fall but you reign supreme. Father, today may your word reign supreme in our hearts. May we find a greater love for Christ as we look at what he has saved us from. Lord, I just ask that you would continue to comfort Molly and Oded, Lord, as she heals from her surgery. Lord, I pray that you would continue to be with Dan and Debbie and Tim and their families, Lord, as they still grieve the loss of of Bruce, that you would comfort them, Father. And I pray this morning, Lord, that you would comfort those that are here today that need to be comforted, that you encourage us here today that need to be encouraged, and that you would give us much grace as we look into your word. Father, if there are any here today that don't know you, I pray you would draw them to you as they see how wonderful and merciful you are in the cross of Christ. I ask these things in your name. Amen. Please be seated. 
All right. So last week, as we dove into Psalm 1, we looked at the blessed man and what the, what the, what the blessed man does and, and why he is a blessed man. And I just as a quick review, because I know there's some here today that uh, weren't here last week, we, we looked at the blessed man. Well, first of all, what we did is we looked at the psalm and we saw where the psalm separates, it separates all people. It separates all people, blessed, wicked. It separates them judicially, guilty, not guilty. And we, we saw this. We, we saw the, the, the picture of righteousness in the blessed man and that he is blessed because his sins are forgiven and he takes refuge in the Lord and he trusts in the Lord and he has faith in the Lord. He's the blessed man because he delights in the Lord. He delights in his law and he meditates upon it day and night. And the results of that is that he's this tree that's firmly planted that yields its fruit. And we saw that it's, uh, the blessed man's destination is home with Christ. Today we're going to look at the opposite. We're going to look at the unrighteous man or the, the, the wicked man and what he is described as in this psalm and how we can follow these things. So the unrighteous man is the one who is not clothed in the righteousness of Christ. But we have to be careful because when we think of a wicked man, we think of, give me a name, Hitler, right? <laughs> Hitler always comes up first when we think of a wicked man. But we, we, but we always have to look at what, what, what God sees and how God sees these things. So this wicked person or this unrighteous person can be, it can be a very moral person. It can be a very moralistic person, one who's got good morals and, and good standings, one that could even hold on to Christian morals without being a Christian. It could be a, a person who's a nice person, a kind person, a, a compassionate person. It could be a person that's, that's better at being a Christian and they're not even a Christian. This is the unrighteous person because they're not clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And so we have to start viewing people the same way that God views people. If we look at 1 Samuel sixteen seven, we see this. And this is where where Samuel is going to anoint David. He's going to anoint David as king. And this is what 1 Samuel 16, 7 says. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. This is Saul. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance. Is that not true? We look on the outward appearance but the Lord looks on the heart. The Lord looks deep into the heart. That's what we saw last week when we looked at how the, the delight of the blessed man is in the Lord, is in the law of the Lord. We looked at his heart. We looked at the depths of his soul. And again, today we'll do the same thing as we look at this unrighteous man as we look into the depths of his soul. So how do we describe this person? Jesus describes this person in John 3.20 this way. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his work should be exposed. So this is a person, this unrighteous person, is a person who continually 
does or performs or executes or practices or even commits to wicked things. It's a habitual way of life. It's continual. It's practiced. Not only that, but it's evil. And this person, according to Jesus, continually hates. He continually hates or he has ill will towards or he detests. But what does he detest? He detests the light. This is the unrighteous man. This is the wicked man, the one who detests Jesus. So what does he do? Look at Psalm 1. Now we'll get into the psalm. This is what the unrighteous man does. Psalm 1.1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seats of scoffers. So we're going to have to think through this a little bit opposite. So we're going to have to think a little bit. So the first thing that we see is the unrighteous man will walk in the counsel of the wicked. The unrighteous man will walk in the counsel of the wicked. This word counsel means advice or counsel or given direction. Now we're talking in a spiritual sense here because sometimes we have to go to people who may not be believers and we have to get counsel from them. Like I have a financial advisor because I don't know how to handle my money and, but I don't know if he's a believer. But he gives me sound advice and he, he gives me counsel. But would I go to my financial advisor for spiritual things? Absolutely not. I would not do that. So this is in a a spiritual sense that this unrighteous man walks in the counsel of the wicked. He takes advice from the wicked. He takes counsel from them. He gets his direction from them. Psalms 81.12 says it this way. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own counsels. I found this interesting. This word stubborn. We use that word stubborn, right? You go to pull up a weed and it doesn't come. It's a stubborn weed, right? Or as the older I get, I find I get stubborn, you know? Or, or what's the word you call me? What is it? Grumpy, grumpy. That's the word, grumpy. Grumpy, that's the word. But I find myself being stubborn. And this is, it's a showing determination not to change one's attitude or position on something especially in spite of a good argument or a reason to do so. That's a stubborn person. That's what Psalms 81.12 says. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts. It's a heart that is unwilling to change. It's a heart that's unwilling to move on its position, even if the argument is brilliant and even if there's reason to do so. It's because it's a wicked heart. It's not a heart changed by the grace of God. Leviticus 26, 27 and 28 says this, but if in spite of this you will not listen to me, this is God talking to Israel, you will not listen to me, but walk contrary to me, then I will walk contrary to you in fury, and I myself will discipline you sevenfold for your sin. Proverbs twelve five, The thought of the righteous are just. The counsels of the wicked are are deceitful the counsels of the wicked are deceitful this is a man who does not want godly counsel he does not want to listen to godly counsel and he wants to walk contrary to god this is the first step this is the first step secondly we see what what the unrighteous man does is he stands in the path of the ungodly there is a progression in this psalm right in psalm one there's a progression 
The first thing is he walks in the counsel of, of, the, of the wicked. The second thing is he stands in the path of the ungodly. Proverbs 4.19, the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. This way, the way of the wicked, this path, it's a road that they're on. It's a path, it's a way. And the way of the wicked is... is uh, uh, in Psalm, Proverbs 59, it says, the way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but he loves him who pursues righteousness. This abomination means it's a detestable thing. It's a, it's a, uh, a loathsome, loathsome thing. I should probably be better at putting words into my sermon than I can pronounce. So, but it's a, it's a detestable thing, this abomination. So in Proverbs 59, this is what he's saying. The way of the wicked is detestable. It is loathsome to the Lord. Detestable and loathsome. It's, it's disgusting. It, 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 kinda, it makes God sick to his stomach. It makes him want to, want to vomit. This is the unrighteous man and, and his ways and the path that he is on. Matthew 7.13 puts it this way. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate, this is what I want to, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. This is where he is. He's on this path. The unrighteous man is on the path of the gate that is wide. He's leading on the road that is wide and the gate that leads to destruction. And many, Jesus tells us, many are on this path. This is, this is where we see an increase in his sin. There's an increase in the sin. This, this unrighteous man he is now defiant to God. He goes from ignoring God's counsel to standing in the way in the dark and detestable ways to God. He leads himself to destruction. And he further progresses. As he gets more comfortable in his sin, this wicked man, as he gets more comfortable in that sin, now the second, the third thing he does is he sits in the seat of the scoffer. He sits in the seat of the scoffer. The scoffer is one who mocks somebody, one who derides somebody. This is a person who looks down on others, who makes fun of others. This is the person that criticizes you for being a Christian. This is the one who mocks God. Proverbs 1.22 says this, How long, O simple man, will you love being simple? How long will you scoffers delight, take pleasure in, desire your scoffing, and fools hate knowledge? This scoffer, this person that, that sits with these scoffers, he dwells with them. He dwells with the scoffer. He, he's comfortable with the scoffer. He, he settles down with him. He lives with him. You, you, you see the progression? It's a, it's a simple progression. If we just take like, if we find somebody in our neighborhood and we start taking a walk with them, right? We just kind of start walking with them and we get comfortable with them. Then the next thing you know, we're standing outside the house and we're just talking with them because we're getting more and more comfortable with them. And then next thing you know, we're in the house and we're sitting with them. This is the unrighteous man or the wicked man's comfort with sin. 
they just get more comfortable and more comfortable and more comfortable and more comfortable because they're a wicked man because their heart hasn't been changed. Their heart hasn't been changed. This is what they do. Not only this, but the scoffer is after his, his own desires and possessions. Pete, I'm going to jump. I'm going to go to 2 Peter 3.3. 3. The scoffer is after his own sinful desires and passions. Listen to 2 Peter 3.3. 3. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. Jude 18 puts it this way. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. This is going to be people in the church. This is going to be people that come in and, and, and worship with us. But they're going to be after their own sinful desires. They're going to mock Christianity. They're going to mock the Trinity. We learned about it, right, in the progressive movement. These are scoffers. That's not my God. They mock the God of the Bible because it doesn't jive with who they think God should be. There's going to be some tougher verses that we look at today and we have to look at these verses because this is who our God is and the reality of who he is as he deals with the wicked, unrighteous person. So we see that's what he does. The unrighteous man. Secondly, his desires. His desires are contrary to that of the... Of, uh, uh, the blessed man, the blessed man, his desires, but he delights in the, in the law of the Lord and he meditates upon it day and night. This is not the wicked man. This is not the unrighteous man. The, the wicked man's desires are evil. They are evil. Proverbs 21.10 says this, the soul of the wicked desires evil. This word desire is a longing or a craving. And this is, this is what the, the psalmist says, this is what the, the Proverbs, uh, Solomon Solomon, who writes Proverbs, he's saying, he says, the soul, the, the inner being, the very depths of this person, the very depths of the wicked person, his desire, his longing, his craving is evil. This is what Solomon is talking about. The deep recesses of the wicked man, they're evil. Psalm 52.2, your tongue plots destruction. Like a sharp razor, you're, you're, you worker of deceit. You love evil more than good. This is his desire. This is the wicked man's desire. It's to love evil more than good and lying more than speaking what is right. If you find a person that's a liar, it's a wicked person. They lie, they lie, and they like that lying more than like speaking what is right. You know what the toughest thing is about doing a sermon on a wicked man is the amount of verses that I read and I find out that there's a whole lot of times I got more in common with the wicked man than I do the blessed man because I have to evaluate my own heart and I have to evaluate my own life. And there's times in there where you're like, oh man, Lord, that's me. Oh, that's me. Man, I'm just so glad that that we can confess this to God and, and have him change us. But this is the, the, the wicked man. He loves evil. Listen to what comes out of his heart. Mark seven twenty one. This is what comes from his heart. From within, out of the heart of man, 
comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, thefts, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile the person. This is what's in the person. This is who you were, brothers and sisters. This is who who you were before Christ set his affections on you and before he drug you out of the pit. This is who you and I were. We were the ones who had hearts that were full of murder and adultery and coveting and wickedness. This is the preciousness of the cross that we have. This is what he pulled us out of. He took us away from this evil heart. Because this is the wicked man's heart. The wicked do not desire God. There is no desire of God for him. Psalm 119, 155. says, salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek your statutes. Job 21, 14. They say to God, depart from us. We do not desire the knowledge of your ways. They want nothing to do with God. Depart from us. The wicked man does not long or he longs for and he craves not having the knowledge of God. He wants that evil. He doesn't want God. Romans 3.11 says this way, no one understands, no one seeks God. No one does. Brothers and sisters, this is salvation staring at us, right, with this verse. There is no one good no one there's no one who understands and there's no one who seeks God if you hear this term we are seeker sensitive understand one thing there is no one that seeks God they seek their own wicked desires until God changes that person and brings him to the light of who Christ is the wicked says there is no God Psalm 10, verses 2 through 4. In arrogance, the wicked hotly pursue the poor. Let them be caught in the schemes that they have devised. For the wicked, listen to this, boasts of the desires. There's our word desire again, their longings, their cravings. For the wicked boasts of the desires of his soul. And the one greedy for gain curses and renounces the Lord. In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. Because of their actions, because of their boasting and the innerness of their desires, there is no God. The unrighteous man, he's never content. Proverbs 13, 25. The righteous have enough to be satisfied, to satisfy his appetite. But here, the belly, the belly, how, wh- wh- where we get full, the belly of the wicked, wicked suffers want. He's never satisfied. He's never satisfied. He's never content. Hebrews 13, 5 tells us that, that, that we are to be content with what we have because Christ will never leave us or forsake us. That's why we are to be content with what we have because we have Christ. We have all that we need. We have everything that, that uh, we, we have the fountain of joy, right, in Christ. We have this faithful Savior. We have complete satisfaction in Jesus. The wicked man, never. He's always searching for the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. What's going to be the best thing, the next thing? 
I got to have something else. I got to, because he's never content where he is. Because he's always desiring more and more and more. And sooner or later, the wicked heart takes over and all of a sudden he doesn't even care how he gets it. But he's going after it because he wants to be be satisfied. Brothers and sisters, that should not be the Christian. The Christian, we should be satisfied completely because we are saved by the one who is all satisfying, the fountain of joy. Look now at the wicked man. Remember that his delight is not in the law of the Lord, nor does he meditate on it day and night. But does he have depth? Right? We looked at last week the depth, the, 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 the tree that is planted, that is firmly planted. He has no depth. There is no depth in the wicked man spiritually. None whatsoever. Look at verse 4 of Psalm 1. It says, The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff in regards to the, in regards to the tree. They are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. Chaff is a picture from harvest time in the Bible. That, but, but what the chaff is, is it's, ups, it's uh, um, unsubstantial. It's without value, and it's worthy only to be discarded. It's worthless. It's worthless. Psalm 1-4 puts it this way. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Psalm 35.5, let them be like the chaff before the wind with the angel of the Lord driving them away. Job 21.18, that they are the straw before the wind and like chaff that the storm carries away. Are you getting the picture? There's no root. They're just chaff. They're just left on the floor and the wind just blows them away. Worthless. This, this is what the psalmist is saying. But the wicked man is like chaff. He is worthless. He has no depth. And he's just blown away. Matthew 3.12. His winnowing fork is in his hand. And he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. The chaff here that, that, that uh, uh, Matthew is talking about, he's talking about a person. He's talking about that wicked person, right? The chaff, that person, that wicked person, he's going to burn with unquenchable fire. Yes, brothers and sisters, if you are not saved here today, Christ will burn you with unquenchable fire, period, because of the wickedness of your heart. Look at what he has saved you from. Although, in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 7, Christ does reckon the wicked man to a tree. I found this interesting. Actually, this actually just hit me last night. That's why Pete was mad at me today. So, listen to Matthew seven fifteen through 20. Jesus does this in the, in the very end of his Sermon on the Mount. He starts to compare the righteous and the unrighteous as we go down, right? The man who built his house on the rock, the man who built his house on the sand, you know, those who does this, I never knew you. And he, but he starts it off with this here. He says, beware of false prophets. What's a false prophet? Question? What's that? A liar, a false prophet. It's one who teaches falsely, right? It's a false prophet. So Jesus says this, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. 
Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree that bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. That's the false prophet. The false prophet is the diseased tree that bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. He's saying the false prophet cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. False prophets are wicked men that come with, with uh, uh, a ra- they, they, they want to ravish you. They, they want, they're the ravenous wolf. That's what I'm thinking of. You know? So we have to be careful. We have to be careful in these areas, right? Um, because these pro- false prophets, they, they, they come disguised. What, what are they wearing? These false prophets are wearing sheep's clothing. Sheep's clothing. So what's that mean? That means they're in the congregation. These wicked, false prophets are in the congregations. Guess where else they are? They're just not sitting in the congregation. They're standing in the pew because they're false prophets, right? So, so, so what do they look like? Well, they look like sheep, right? That's what Jesus is saying, who come to you in sheep's clothing. They look like sheep. They smell like sheep. They talk like sheep. They got all the Christianese down. They eat and they sleep with the sheep. They have fellowship with the sheep. But the reality is, here's the reality when you got a false prophet in this pulpit. What the reality is, is that that person just wants to eat the sheep. He wants to destroy the sheep. This is the wicked false prophet. He is a teacher that doesn't love the sheep. He, doesn't, he teaches false doctrine. He uses the sheep for his gain. Their personal wealth, their personal ambition. The sheep exist for them and not for the shepherd, for the sheep. This is the false prophet. You guys are going to have to listen a little bit longer today. Um, turn in your Bibles to Ezekiel. This just popped into my head. Turn in your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 34. And this popped into my head because this was like the, when, when I was going through my, at the other church we were going through, and I was going through my, my eldership training and my pastoral training, this was the, the, the section that scared me the worst, right? But this describes the false prophet in Ezekiel 34. And listen to what it says. It says, the word of the Lord came to the son, came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. They were tyrants. They were dictators. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered all over the mountains on every high hill, my sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. And then if we keep reading through that passage, God comes and says, guess what I'll do? I'm going to shepherd my sheep. He's going to come. But he talks to Israel. These were the false shepherds. 
These were the false shepherds because they were in it for themselves. They were in it for themselves, for their own gain. How do we, how do we spot the bad fruit? It, it's so deceiving. Romans describes them this way. Romans describes these, these false teachers this way. This, 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 this uh, Romans 16. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. Here's what he says. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites and by their smooth talk and their flattery they deceive the hearts of the naive smooth talk and flattery they deceive the sheep and as the sheep are being deceived the wicked false prophet comes and he devours them by his smooth talk we have to be careful brothers and sisters do your homework on who you read. Do your homework on who you listen to. Just because they can preach a good message does not mean they're not a ravenous wolf. They could be a sheep or a wolf in sheep's clothing. Finally, their destination. The destination of the wicked. Look at verses 5 and 6 of, of Psalms. Psalm 1. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked will perish. They will not stand in the judgment. Judgment is coming. The wicked will not stand. Psalm 5.5. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate. This is God. You hate all evil Doers. That word hate is a strong word. But it's used, and it's used of God and his character. We can't be afraid of this. This is what the Bible tells us. The inerrant word of God, the inspired word of God, the wicked will not stand before his judgment, but they will perish. Remember last week? We won't perish. We have everlasting life, right? But the wicked will perish. Listen to Proverbs 16.4. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. I want you guys to concentrate on that one. Proverbs 16.4. The Lord, Yahweh, has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Romans 9, Romans 9 tells us that out of one lump, one lump of clay, God creates a vessel for glory and a vessel for wrath. He has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of destruction or trouble. Psalm thirty-seven twenty. But the wicked will perish. The enemies of the Lord are like the glory of his pasture. They vanish like smoke. They vanish away. Psalm 104.35 Let sinners be consumed from the earth. Let the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. In Psalm 145.20 The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. It's the house that the man built upon the sand. You see the storm? The storm that's coming 
That's Jesus. Jesus is coming, brothers and sisters. Where is your house built? Is it built on him, the rock? He's the storm that's coming. Or is your house built on the sand? Because when he comes, he is coming and he will destroy that house. This is the end of the wicked. Their resting place is in hell. Revelation 20, the lake of fire. That's where death and Hades will be. So, as we close, if you sit here today and you are not a believer, you must understand that what you deem as good, God deems as bad. I beg you, by the grace of God, to turn from trusting in yourself in your own deeds, in your own works, in your own goodness, and turn to Christ and repent of your sin and trust Christ and his death for your sin, his burial and his resurrection. Come to him today and ask him to save you. And he will. If you're a believer here today and you see that maybe you have some things that you really need to work on, like, like I do, well then, you know what the beautiful thing is? We can come and we can confess our sin to God. And God will cleanse us from all of that unrighteousness in our lives. And he'll give us new hearts. So may you and I go from here today with confidence, knowing that God has saved us from his wrath and has changed our hearts. May you and I today find delight in Christ our Savior. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you we thank you for your word, Lord. We, we, we thank you as we, we look at your word, Lord, the, the, the absolute clarity of your word, of the one who is in Christ and the one who is not in Christ. Father, there's no, there's no black or white. Lord, I think of Matthew 25 where it says when, when Jesus comes back in all of his glory that he will... He will separate the goats from the sheep. Lord, there's there's no geeps. There's nobody in between. You're either a sheep or you're a goat. So Lord, I pray, save. Save today. Save our family members who don't know you, Lord. Save them from your wrath. Save them from the storm that is coming. Please, Lord, don't destroy them. Lord, we just pray for our friends that don't know you. Give us boldness to preach your gospel, Lord, to them that they would be reconciled to you. And Father, today, if there's any in here, Lord, give them the gift to repent. Knowing, knowing now, Lord, that they are in trouble with you, give them this gift to repent. Father, may you be glorified in our lives as believers. Father, may we exalt over you. May we praise you for what you have saved us from, Lord. Thank you for pulling us out of the miry pit of darkness. And thank you for putting us into the kingdom of your beloved Son, which is full of light and glory. Let that light shine bright in us today, Lord. In your name, amen.